0: Welcome. I'm glad you've taken some time to join us. If you don't know me, I'm Sean Bitzer. I'm one of the pastors here. And wherever you're joining us from right now, uh, we'd love to connect with you. The easiest way to do that is to text the word Monmouth to 97000, Monmouth to 97000. You'll get a short menu back and number one's a connect card. Follow the prompts and Uh, We could get a chance to connect, and we'd also love to hear how we can pray for you today, for this week, at any point in time, how we can pray with you and for you. Uh, Last week, I mentioned that we'd be spending a bit more time in here and a bit less time in there. The, The simple reason is that every summer, we look to knock out a few projects to freshen up the room, and you can see we're in the midst of some of that right now. (laughs) So we're here. Today, uh, we're in week two of a series on what I think is the most misunderstood and underappreciated qualities included in a list that the Bible gives us about how Jesus in your life and in my life changes us. This list is called the fruit of the Spirit. So let's Read it really quick to refresh our memory. It comes from Galatians 5, verse 22. It it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We talked about this last week. One theologian described the list something like this. That they are the symptoms of being infected by the Spirit of God. And I I really like that. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Last week, we opened the series, week one of this four-week series, wrestling with the question, where does real joy come from? This kind of biblical joy, the kind of joy that Paul is talking about to the church at Galatia, the kind of joy that isn't based on current circumstances that... Uh, Remember, last week we talked about the comedian said the four most true words in the Bible may be it came to pass. The heartache, the shame, the fear, the extra money, the good health, it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. Joy, the kind of joy Paul is talking about, isn't based on circumstances or future hopes, but on unchanging historic realities that, that he who gave his own son for us, what more will he not do for us? So we can say, I don't understand all that's going on and I don't even like it. And, and there may be a lot of tears with it, but, but here's what I do know, no matter what happens in this world, that he is good, that he is able, And I am a dearly loved child of God. That's where joy comes from. Uh, This week, I I, I wanna go a bit of an unexpected place from Galatians, almost in the back, to Nehemiah, almost in the front. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. The the story begins with uh, the city and their nation's capital is in shambles. They strain to begin to rebuild the city, but it's met with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Their their enemies mock them. They try to trap them. They, They even make accusations back to the king to try and get them pulled back. The people become tired. Then to top it all off, a guy named Ezra, he reads the law to them. The law is an agreement that their families made with God on what it means to be his people. And what they find out is that they they aren't even close to what God has called them to be. That they are a rebellious people who have failed to honor a good and gracious God, not for a little bit, but for generations. Maybe, Maybe you can resonate with this. Maybe today you're super aware of a ton of brokenness in you. But not just in you, but maybe in your family. Maybe even for generations there's been brokenness. Maybe you look around the world, the community you're in, and you see a ton of hurt and brokenness. Then you hear Christians or maybe even a pastor say stuff, you know, like, you're all a bunch of busted and broken people. And you think to yourself, I am. If if that's you today, I'm glad you're here. Because, see, I think God has good news for you today. This is where we find the people of Jerusalem heartbroken. Heartbroken at the rebellion. Heartbroken at the rebellion of their community, of family after family, generation after generation. But Nehemiah the author of the book and their fearless leader speaks to the people. He, he says this beginning of verse nine. He says this, this day is holy to the Lord, your God. Do not mourn or weep, but go eat of the fat Drink of the weak, of the sweet and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved for, here's the part you've probably heard or seen on decor, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not be grieved, do not mourn, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, now, here's the deal. I, I'm not a huge fan of sermon titles. You know, we mostly just go verse by verse through a book, and they don't all need sermon titles. But when you do a topical sermon series like this, you kind of need one to help organize the weeks together. And And this week's sermon title is this. Joy as a Weapon. Now, I'm sure you've heard the illustration about the coffee cup or a bottle of Coke. It goes something like this. If you, If you... You know, if you bump a coffee cup, what comes out? Coffee. If you bump a bottle of Coke, what comes out? Coke, right? When life bumps up against you is the point of the illustration. That what is inside of you comes out. What's interesting to me... Is that the same things happen to us when events happen when we don't have time to think. When, we, when a situation demands that we respond before we have time to process all the details. In those moments, we just react with what's already inside of us. So often we see our response in heartache in fear, in stress, when confronted as these people are with their own rebellion or brokenness, we see an unadulterated witness to our view on God and what he thinks about us. I watched a a movie a while back and uh, the whole premise of the movie was around this one moment that happened towards the beginning of the movie and the husband's instantaneous reaction You see, they were at a ski resort with their two kids eating lunch. Snow started to roll down the hillside by them, and and eventually someone yells, Avalanche! And just as they think, and you think that the snow is going to consume them, it's diverted by a stone barrier, and only a light dusting of snow blows up and falls over the patio that they sat eating lunch at just moments ago. However, when the cloud of snow does settle, you come to see that the mom has laid herself over her children to protect them from what she expects could possibly be their likely death. The husband on the other side, he gets up from the table and he runs for cover inside the building and abandons his family. His response in a split-second decision exposed his priorities. The people of Jerusalem are exposed to their own brokenness, their own rebellion, and they weep and they mourn. They believe that because of their rebellion, God has or will surely abandon them. This is the message that the enemy of our soul wants you to believe about yourself today. It is the message that we so often believe about ourselves, that we are too broken or too rebellious or, or too dirty or too tarnished or too unworthy and worthless to be loved and forgiven to be accepted and to be called sons and daughters. See, uh, if the truth of your brokenness only leads you to mourning and grief, then you have no better understanding the gospel and the God of this book than the person who says, I have no need of being forgiven. The, The people of Jerusalem wallow. They wallow in their rebellion. But Nehemiah, he calls them to something different. He calls them to rejoice in God's grace. You see, grieving says mourning says woe is me but the gospel says but god you see it is true we are all broken and rebellious and an affront to god's rich kindness to us it says elsewhere that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god But the story doesn't end there. Your story doesn't end there. If our response to God's holiness and and our rebellion is only grieving, we have not yet understood or experienced the good news of Jesus. You see, the story for us continues. Ephesians 5 verse 4, it says this, Because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, God, who's rich in mercy, has made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. The story doesn't end for the people of Jerusalem either. Nehemiah says, get up, eat, rejoice, celebrate, for God is good and kind to you, so that the joy of the Lord may be your strength. When we wallow in our brokenness we let the enemy win but when we rejoice we allow God to restore our souls you see joy joy is a weapon that disarms the enemy of our soul Joy says, yes, yes, I don't deserve this love or grace. That is why I rejoice all the more because of his loving kindness has consumed me. If you've allowed voices to tell you that you are unlovable, too broken or unworthy or unwanted, hear me say this as kindly to you as I can to say the same thing that Nehemiah said to his people. Get up, eat, rejoice, stop your mourning. God is good and gracious to you, and may his joy be your strength. May you remember today, even now, that God is rejoicing over you, his beloved child. And may that image bring joy to you too. Joy is not just a weapon against the enemy of our soul. It is a weapon to the weight of our circumstances. If you joined us last week, you uh, may remember that the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness arises out of our current circumstances or some future hopes that we have. Joy, it, on the other end, is birthed out of historic realities, unchangeable truths. No matter how we feel about something, it does not change the truth of God's goodness and love for you. For the people of Jerusalem, that there was still so much to be done. They were still an occupied people surrounded by enemies who wanted to destroy them. And and I'm sure that they still had leaky faucets in their homes and, and, and maybe a spot on the wall that needed one more coat of paint. That they were still a people marred by rebellion and generational brokenness. That they had to know that it would be easy for their hearts to wander again just as generations had before. The grocery store shelves weren't always fully stocked. They, they probably had concerns of inflation or their retirement funds, of, of diseases ravaging their families. They still had family members dying and, and, and funerals to go to. There were mornings where their donkey you know, broke down and just wouldn't quite get its giddy-up going. The roads in Jerusalem were still rough, figuratively and literally. And how easy it would have been, just as those who came before them did, to begin to complain. God, why did you bring us out here? God, have you abandoned us to wither in the scorching sun? To be consumed by our enemies who are all around us? But they didn't. They listened to Nehemiah and they threw a party. You see, a party changes everything. You can't be sad at a party. If you are, you won't be there long or it won't be a party long. That is what Nehemiah tells them. Rejoice. Don't mourn. Celebrate. Choosing to celebrate God's goodness to you will change the environment of the room you stand in. It will change your workplace. It will change the environment of your home. It will change the environment of your neighborhood. It will change the environment of your school and your community. It will change everything when we choose to rejoice. See, joy. True God-honoring joy. Not, I'm happy because it's sunny. But true joy found in the truth of God's love for you will change the temperature of the room you enter. Joy joy may not change your circumstances, but it sure will change the way you respond to them. See, in in two weeks, we're going to look at, in part, a, a story from the Bible about two guys who were in jail. Their joy not only changed the way they navigated it, but it actually changed their circumstances. But it also changed the lives of those around them. You you see, you, every day, you have a choice to be a thermostat in every room you enter or a thermometer in every room you enter. In every circumstance, a thermostat or a thermometer. You see, most people are thermometers. And apart from Jesus, it's, 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 it's about all we can be in the long run. You walk into a room, into a situation, into a season of life, and you think, oh, it stinks. What a bummer. And you react to the circumstances in the room. That, that, that mercury reading plummets with disappointment as a thermometer. Or... You have the chance to be a thermostat. You can walk into a room and, and acknowledge, oh, it stinks. What a, what a bummer. But you know what else is true. God's here. God's in our midst. He's doing something. I don't like this right now. And, and and I may shed a lot of tears right now and in days to come, but I know this. God is good. He is able. And I am a dearly loved child. So let's have a party. You. This is one of the things we're going to talk about a lot in, the, in week four. You have the power to change the temperature of the room through your rejoicing. Through your worship, especially in the darkest rooms, darkest circumstances, darkest seasons you enter, you can be the one who changed the thermostat for the community around you. It is the choice that Paul grabs onto when he writes the Church of Philippi and says, now, I think all things are worth nothing compared with the greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What Paul's saying is this, is man, I get Jesus, yeah, all this is a bummer. All this is horrible, painful, but I get Jesus. I get grace. I get forgiveness. I get to be called a son of God. How could I not rejoice? Here's the thing I want you to see. It's a bit more subtle. And the last thing I want you to see, it's a bit more subtle and even a little hard to see in the English language. But there's an important part of joy that we see in Nehemiah's call to the people of Jerusalem. Here it is. Joy is never a solo event. Let me say it to you in a little bit of a different way. Joy is always communal. You cannot fully experience joy alone. Have you ever had a party alone? The answer is no. No, no, no. If, if you did, you didn't. It wasn't a party. It was just you eating cake and ice cream alone at night. That wasn't a party. But look at what Nehemiah tells the people. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength there are different types of yours, right? My wife and all the teachers in the world said, amen and preach, preacher, right? There is while you are possessive, that is like um, uh, that th- that bike, right? Right there, that bike is yours. That is your bike, right? Then there's... Uh, why there's your y o u apostrophe re short for you are a state of being right um you're gonna be late if you don't leave now you're gonna be late uh but in most languages there are actually three versions okay this gets complicated of each of the yours y o u r and your y o u apostrophe re there, there's a singular version right we might say jose that is your bike you left outside. But there's also two plural forms. It's the difference between, as one of my professors said, the difference between y'all and you Ewan's is your but singular, right? I need everyone to go get your bike. There isn't one bike. You each have your own bike, but I need you'ins, you each ones to go do it. Then, lost yet? There's Y'all, right? All of them together. Richardson family, let me show you your new car, right? See it? The word your strength is that final version. The joy of the Lord gives strength when we rejoice together. Don't, Don't miss that, don't miss that. The joy of the Lord gives strength When we rejoice together. It's why corporate worship is so important. It's why gathering in large or small groups is so important. It's why getting yourself signed up for Rooted is so important. You can learn more about Rooted and even what it is at at mymcc.cc slash Rooted starts in September. It's why serving on a team together is so important. We were not meant to live life alone. You were not meant to live life alone. Look, Nehemiah even commands them. If there is someone without, you invite them to sit at your table. The joy of the Lord is only fully manifest in us when we rejoice together. When we rejoice together, we beat back the lies of the enemy. When we rejoice together, we change the temperature of the rooms we occupy. When we rejoice as a church together, we change the communities that we're a part of. So, as your pastor, let me tell you the same thing that Nehemiah told the people of Jerusalem. As simply and kindly as I can, get up. Stop complaining or moaning about what isn't or what could be. Stop listening to the lies of Satan in your life. Get up, eat, rejoice, shout, and celebrate. Be joyful, for God is good. He is able. And you are a dearly loved child of God. And that, brothers and sisters is always enough. I'm so grateful that you took some time to join us. I hope that today, no matter the circumstances or situations you're in, that you would find a moment to be reminded of these three simple questions. Is God good? Is he able? And are you loved? And the answer to those questions, all of them being, yes, he is good, he is able, and you are a dearly loved child. Would you choose to rejoice, not in the circumstances you see around you, but in his kindness to you in the midst of a broken world? And today if you don't know him, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you don't know this God who who calls you his beloved, who loves you and gave himself for you, man, I, I, I would invite you to pray a simple prayer just to say, God, God, I need you. God, God, I am broken and sinful, but you are good and kind. God, I need you. Please save me. And then you know what we'd love you to do? We'd love you to text Monmouth to 97000 and fill out that connect card. And we'd love to connect with you and talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But if you are a follower of Jesus today, get up, eat, and rejoice. For God is good. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you today that our hope and our confidence in this world is not in the things of this world. It's not even in our minds or in our disciplines or in our rightness, but it is in you, that it is in your kindness and your goodness. And Lord, today I pray that you would remind us, renew in us the joy of our salvation remind us again of your kindness and good to goodness to us that we might rejoice even in the darkness lord we love you in jesus name we pray amen